You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, it's the Hidden Yardage Podcast, and the Dallas Cowboys are 10 and 4 on the season. They fall on the road in Buffalo, week 15, 31 to 10 to the Bills all season long, even through the preseason, the offseason, what have you. This game was billed as, no pun intended, as a meeting of two playoff contenders. And while Buffalo still has a long way to go to prove that they can even make the playoffs in the AFC, they have, you know, they've fallen behind in tiebreakers. They have an uphill battle staring at the Dolphins, who are, of course, the Cowboys' next opponent. Coming up here in week 16, which we'll talk about, we have David Howman once again with us here on Hidden Yardage. You can find him on Twitter at underscore DH44. I am Sean Martin at Sean Martin NFL over there on the bird slash X app. So it was ugly. And we'll talk about some of the penalties that kind of created maybe more of a lopsided score than the Cowboys truly deserved. But they deserved, you know, some humbling when it comes to this outcome. And well, 31 to 10, the stats are even more ugly when it comes to how they got outgained, outrushed, outperformed on throw down, pass rush, what have you. Really, the Cowboys just didn't do anything against the narrative that they can't play as well as they do at home with the fireworks and the 40 points a game and the blowing teams out. They can't play that style and take it on the road. This is now their fourth road loss of the season, of course, matching the you know four that they have all year long. To put their record at ten to four, they are now in a precarious position where, in just a couple of short weeks here, David, we're more than likely going to have to talk about this team playing road playoff games. And I don't think anything coming out of this Buffalo loss really inspires you to think that this team can make a deep run in the playoffs if they have to go through another road path. I don't think there's anything that you know completely dispels you from thinking that this was a contending team you know there's enough outlying things where you can say okay one or two plays and penalties which we're about to talk about could go a different way and there's a vision somewhere through the you know buffalo fog where you can see this game having a different outcome but by different outcome i mean you know 17 to 10 bills win or i don't see any type of outcome where you know the cowboys can justify their game plan as far as how they tried to prepare to actually win this game. And it's a setback after two straight losses or two straight wins at home where you beat the Seahawks. And then you had a long week to emotionally prepare for an Eagles game where maybe they kind of blew too much of the load in that game to get up for the the biggest rival and win that one. And it all came toppling down now in their first road test after those two wins uh, with a 21-point loss. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's hard to feel real confident after this one. I mean, obviously, you know, we all found out, you know, before the game actually started that the Cowboys had clinched the a playoff spot due to the outcomes of several other games throughout the day. Um, Mike McCarthy said after the game, you know, that the coaches were not aware 
to the to his knowledge the players weren't aware either so that that wasn't necessarily something that like affected how they actually played in this game but um you know like like you were saying it's now with this loss um and of course we all know what's going to happen with the eagles playing uh, at seattle um you know with all the the news about their defensive coordinator getting demoted kind of um jalen hurts is sick and traveled separately from the team and may or may not play in that game we don't know what's going to happen with the eagles this week but even if they do lose the the, the calculus the numbers of, of what has to happen for the cowboys to still have a shot at winning the division being able to host a home playoff game um it's not looking good it's not completely impossible it's not out of the realm of possibility but it's looking very likely that they're going to be in the playoffs as most likely the five seed be playing on the road and, you know, in that first road game, like, you, you probably are going to be facing whoever wins the NFC South. Um, right now, the Buccaneers are in first place. And you probably feel good about facing any of those teams right now, just with with the state of that division, how those teams are kind of doesn't seem like any of those teams actually wants to win the division. Um, so you like your chances in, in a game like that. But then you're going to have to be going on the road to play probably San Francisco or Philadelphia, maybe even Detroit. Um, who of course, you know, we'll see them play in Dallas in a few weeks. Um, but this was kind of the game where you, you got an opportunity to see what this team can do against a real contending team on the road, because that's the environment they'll have to win in if they are going to have success in the playoffs and extended an extended playoff run. And, you know, the last time you really saw this environment was, well, on the road against the Eagles, um, and and they played well, but came up short. Um, and then before that was the 49ers, and that was on the road. They got absolutely blasted. And this was really the first game where we've seen the Cowboys look the way that they did in that 49ers game. And that was kind of that, – that's really where the confidence was shaken for me was because since that game, even when they lost to the Eagles, like things were going well. The offense was flying like – you could always look back in that 49ers game and say, yeah, it was bad, but the offense has been doing so much better since then. Like this isn't the same Cowboys team that played in that game and just looked absolutely lifeless. But now that happened again. They went on the road. They played a really good team, even though their record doesn't quite reflect how good they actually are. And the Cowboys looked terrible in all three phases. And like they, they were sloppy. They had penalties. They had misplays. They made mistakes. And like nothing looked good in this game. So when when you start thinking about like what's going to happen in a few weeks when the playoffs start and they don't get to play at AT&T Stadium where they're dominant, you know, you might get a playoff win in that first one against, uh, you know, the NFC South division winner. Um, but even that is not necessarily a, you know, you can't you can't just chalk that up. You never know what's going to happen in the playoffs, of course. Um, it, it's It's hard to feel confident for sure after watching a game like that. And that's the disappointing thing for me besides, you know, the headline overall, I think, being the run defense, which we'll get to next. But the disappointing thing for me is, you know, the season-long narrative up to this point of the Cowboys need to earn respect and nobody willing to give them credit for the blowout wins against lesser teams and especially at home and everyone just saying, well, they've only done, you know, what they're supposed to and they haven't proved it. And, you know, they got almost the, in the spirit of the college football playoffs being next weekend, you know, they were getting the Florida State treatment of like, well, you have to, you know, you, you've been good, but you got to somehow find a way to prove more. And, you know, the same way Florida State fans are saying, well, you play your schedule. Well, Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott have every reason to say, 
not only do we play our schedule, but we're playing well enough to, you know, take Prescott out of some of these games by the end of the third quarter. And that's worthy of merit. And that shows that, you know, somewhere down the road, we'll prove ourselves as, as contenders. What the Seahawks and Eagles win did for you in the last two weeks prior to this was finally, in a national perspective, to go a long way in shaking that narrative. And you can go back in our archives here on Hidden Yardage. I was never, you know, fully bought into this, oh, the Cowboys haven't beaten anybody and they're not really contenders. You know, we've been honest all the way through each week about saying what's really good about this team and why they're contenders, but also what they've struggled with. And so we just give it to you straight, you know, every week in and week out, rinse and repeat. We'll be here all through the playoffs and of course into the off season. But the Seahawks win, Eagles win. You finally built up that confidence to say, okay, we've beaten some good teams, you know, the Seahawks give or take, but now every Cowboys fan is a diehard Seahawks fan tonight as they play the Eagles. And we'll see if Jalen Hurts can go and everything about that game, especially with all the reports of the Eagles kind of going back to basics of practice this week and, you know, working on fumbling drills, compare that to the way that I think Pete Carroll can game plan for any team. I, I would put him and the Seahawks staff amongst the best in, really anywhere as far as, you know, being able to get this team ready for the nuances of any opponent. So we'll see just what Monday Night Football on the road for Philadelphia has in store. The Cowboys needed a win to really, for that game to matter in their grand scheme of trying to earn themselves a home playoff game where they can play so well. And it was a tough draw. You know, you draw a Bills team even more desperate. They're looking at Eight and six now. They improved their record, but still a long way to go to catch up to the Dolphins in the AFC East. Like I mentioned off the top, they don't have many tiebreakers in the AFC in the AFC as a whole to earn one of those playoff spots. So you drew an even more desperate team than the Cowboys were, who really you know knew ahead of time that they had a playoff spot, whether they knew it was official or not. They knew this team was going to be playing more than the allotted seventeen games. And you couldn't match the energy of Buffalo as that desperate team coming off of a road win in Kansas City and really trying to build off of that. Buffalo played with you know, the more inspired, more fired up team, knowing that they are still playing every week to save their season. And you would have loved to see McCarthy's team take that next step, match that energy, and be able to you know at least compete in this game. And if we're talking about a close one-score loss, everything about you know the tenor of what we're discussing here changes. But instead, they were just flat out weren't ready. And like you said, in all three phases for the energy and the intensity that Buffalo brought in their home stadium. That's really the disappointing thing as you'll lose by 21 on the road. It's it's hard to like really underscore just how disappointing it was. And, you know, all, all of it kind of comes together is like they, they could have proven, you know, shown like, oh yeah, that, that game against, you know, the Eagles, we, you know, you finally beat a team that, that came in with like a really good record and, and then, you know, being able to go on the road and beat the Bills, you know, would, would kind of be just, just one extra you know, notching your belt and instead you, not only do you lose, I mean, it would be one thing if they lost like they did when they played uh, on the road in Philadelphia, but they just got absolutely clobbered. I mean, the offense couldn't get anything going. Um, the, you know, the, the defense, like, I mean, the, the past game, honestly, like their secondary wasn't really that bad. Like they didn't give up a whole lot of big plays. Josh Allen, like barely threw the ball, but that's because they were running so well and the run defense, which, you know, we've, you know, talked a lot about, you know, the last few years, really, under Dan Quinn. They've they've done a lot of really good things under Dan Quinn, but the run defense has always been kind of, uh, you know, that that the problem where, like, you don't really talk about it too much because it usually doesn't come up as a big issue. But the Bills just absolutely exploited it. James Cook ran all over them. The offensive line was pushing them all over the place. These defensive linemen were, they, they just had zero resistance. 
Um, and then of course there were the penalties and, you know, when, when you're, when you can't stop the run, when you're never defensively, when you're never playing with the lead, that makes it hard for your strength, which is the pass rush to really get going. That makes it hard for, you know, Deron Bland to be able to take these risks on, on these under undercut balls where he gets a lot of interceptions. That makes it hard to like have Micah Parsons, you know, not doing the thing he's best at, which is pass rushing. And instead of getting exposed against the run where, you know, I'm not going to say he's terrible against the run, but it's very clear. He's more of a pass rusher than he is a run stopper. Um, it just puts you in a bad spot. And then add on to that is, is the sloppiness, the undiscipline, the, the penalties, and that's how you that's how you get completely blown out, which is what happened in this one. Yeah, you mentioned the overarching Dan Quinn run defense. You know, it seems like one game a year the dam just breaks where they really just have a landslide type of game where it really gets away from them and the run defense is just completely porous. But this was not only the, a horrible time for that to happen because, you know, I think Cowboys fans knew they were up against it as far as winning this game. I don't think, you know, the confidence meter was nearly as high as any of the recent home games or, you know, road games against lesser teams like the Giants or what have you. But I think the path that you could envision the easiest when it comes to how the Cowboys could potentially win this game was forcing Josh Allen to pass and you didn't do that. And then hopefully taking advantage of a couple of takeaways, letting the secondary, like you said, which still kind of stood up at times and played okay, do their thing. And we know how the Cowboys want to win games and they were taken out of pretty much every possible way that they like to try to get on top of teams. The deep pass the game faded away after missing that deep shot to Cooks early on in the first quarter. The run def- you know, the run game itself wasn't able to nearly match, of course, with what Buffalo was able to do. And that was promising against the Eagles where you really thought, you know, not only is the Eagles win great on its own, but knowing what was at- around the corner with a short trip to Buffalo, you thought, oh, even better that you showed a run game against Philly because now you better build off of that to go sow it in Buffalo. Never had the chance to do that. And then of course the pass rush from there wasn't able to have an impact. Special teams, instead of being a difference maker in a positive way, was a negative with the Sam Williams penalty leading to even more Buffalo points. But when I mentioned, you know, the dam breaking at a record pace for the run defense under Dan Quinn, 266 rushing yards allowed here for the Bills in this game. That is the most in the Dan Quinn era entirely for this Cowboys defense going back the last three years. It's the most they've allowed since the vaunted Mike Nolan days, that week 13, 2020 at the Ravens, a forgotten game where, of course, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens vaunted Russell offense was able to get after you in that game. So 266 rush yards for the Bills. That was their first 200-yard ground game of the season on 49 attempts, which is, of course, also season high and when you're turning around handing the ball off effectively 49 times it only forces Josh Allen into 15 pass attempts. That's not nearly enough attempts for this defense to do what they do best. Like I said get after the quarterback, force them into mistakes let the secondary do what they do when Josh Allen's only dropping back 15 times you don't give yourself much of a chance to win be it at home or on the road against this Bills team that's really trying to prove themselves down the stretch here in December. It's actually Josh Allen's lowest career attempts for any full game that he's played. He had one other where he had 15 attempts, but he um, did not play the full game, exited with an injury. And then same thing where he left even earlier with an injury and before he hit the 15 attempt mark. So Cowboys defense not able to do what they did. And I think even more haunting, David, you know, you could tell me what you saw is it seemed like early on the Cowboys were really kind of stacking the box and inviting the Bills to run 
and saying that they were going to trust their secondary, which is kind of the opposite of how you would think you want to play the Bills who have, you know, dynamic weapons like Stephon Diggs and rookie tight end Dalton Kincaid. It seemed like you want to play coverage, and if they want to run the ball a little bit on you, that's great. But the Cowboys always really seem to stack the box and say, okay, we're going to trust our corners out here, Deron Bland, Stephon Gilmore. We're going to trust them in these matchups because they've been so good against you know, the Eagles last week. And you can't say they were great against the Seahawks, but they still got the job done. Bland had a pick in that game. Gilmore was caught going against DK Metcalf. They seem to invite the passing game, but the Bills just ran it at your stack boxes anyway. And Damone Clark went down with an injury, but he did return. He couldn't get the job done against the run when he was in there. Marquis Bell got taken advantage of. And overall, it certainly seemed like they missed Jonathan Hankins on the interior as well. Yeah, and, and that's what I think really surprised me about this this matchup between the Bills offense and the Cowboys defense is generally it's the exact opposite for both of these teams. I mean, the Bills are not really... It's not like they never run the ball, but they're definitely more of a pass-heavy team, especially since Joe Brady took over as the interim offensive coordinator. He's he's a very pass-happy guy, and this is an offense that has really built their whole identity around Josh Allen and the fact that he has you know a cannon for an arm. They they like to air it out. They like to get him in a rhythm, and they like to take shots down the field. And the Cowboys are kind of similar. Where one of the reasons that their run defense has always been suspect under Dan Quinn is partially because they kind of invite you to run the ball and they know like, you know, if, if most of the time they're playing with a lead and that's, you know, kind of what Mike McCarthy is referencing when he talks about playing complimentary football is our offense is going to go out there. We're going to be efficient. We're going to score. We're going to, you know, we're going to get a lead. And then the defense is just going to tee off on the quarterback. And Dan Quinn is kind of saying, well, if you're going to run on us, like in that situation, you'll have some open areas to run. And we're okay with that because if we're playing with a lead, the more you run, the more you're just taking time away for you to try to come back in this game. But th- this was this was just a different situation where not only were they they were like loading up the box, like he said, they were trying to stop the run, like that was their priority, and they were kind of saying, "Hey, like, if you want to beat us with the with Josh Allen's arm, like go ahead." Almost like they were baiting him. Um, I thought that was interesting, but also they were never playing with a lead. I mean, they they gave up a touchdown on the opening drive. And then they, the Bills had the lead the rest of the game. And so that just, that changes what you are able to do, what you can do. And then the Bills were just kind of like, well, it's like we can run at them. We know we can run at them. And now we have a really good reason to run at them and they can't stop us. And and they never did. So it, it was, I'm really honestly not too sure what Dan Quinn was thinking there. Obviously he's better at this than I am. He's the one who's actually the coach. So I, I can't. I'm not going to sit here and say he was wrong to do that, but it was certainly not what I expected. It was a bit of a surprise, especially considering Malik Hooker was not playing in this game, a last-minute scratch. We know he he had the ankle injury all week, didn't practice earlier in the week, and came back in a limited capacity, was questionable coming in, um, and then he was uh, inactive when they came down to make the list. Um, so I, I just I assumed with that they were going to be trying to really kind of play back and really take away those big plays. And I mean, technically, yeah, they did prevent those big plays, but it's because the bills didn't really take many shots downfield. They were just running it. And James Cook had a career day. Uh, I saw Todd Archer tweeted that uh, Cook was the first, first player to get 200 scrimmage yards and two touchdowns against the Cowboys since 2012. Like that's, that's, a very long time to to go without giving up 
just that kind of career day that Cook had against this defense. So it was definitely a surprise. Like of all the ways you thought this offense was going to beat you, it was nobody would have guessed that it was going to be James Cook having the best game of his career and Josh Allen hardly being an impact in this game. He even said after the game in, in his post-game press conference, he, he made the joke like, I feel like the guy that does nothing in the group project and still gets an A. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was it was that kind of a game for him and like good deal for him because he didn't have to do anything. It, yeah, it was just um it it was very much like we've been talking about the Cowboys, they didn't play their style of football. And then when they realized what kind of game they were in and that they weren't able to play their style of football, it was almost like they just had no idea how to play football at that point. Like if they can't do their thing, then they can't do football at all. And and that's what it felt like. And that's, you know, not to get, just get super negative and, and, you know, be just have that permeate the whole tone of this show. But like, you also got to have some adaptability. You got to be able to adjust on the fly in those situations. Cause that's what you'll be up against in the playoffs. So um, hopefully this is kind of a, a moment of, of learning for them and, and they can kind of adapt and say, like, well, you know, well, next time we get into a situation like this, we'll be better prepared because we've been through this experience. Um, but, you know, still, you hope that, you know, at this point in the season, they would have already learned that lesson and have already been prepared going into a game like this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, if there was a glimmer of hope in terms of the Cowboys being able to change their styles and adapt, adjust, and finally be able to show they can win in different conditions and certainly away from their home stadium, which they haven't done. They've been outgained on the ground, by the way, 767 to 404 in a combined four road losses this season. And a big chunk of that happened here in week 15 with the 266 on the ground for the Bills compared to just their 89. But a big part of why the Cowboys only ran for 89 yards, and I'm not saying the offensive line was, you know, not at fault, and they weren't their usual self, and Zach Martin coming out of the game had an impact, but, you know, there was a glimmer of hope. We talked about this before the show, as far as, you know, it seemed like the Cowboys were, in some ways, ready to adjust to the type of, you know, December Buffalo stereotypical, even though it wasn't a snow or too much of a weather game. It got talked about all week as if it was going to be, and it kind of lived up to that once the rain started coming down in the second half, but not many plays of consequence happened in the second half when you're talking about a Bills team that went into the locker room up 21 to three before winning 31 to 10. But there was a glimmer where the Cowboys seemed to, you know, be ready to match the kind of physical, let's take the quarterbacks out of it and trust our guy Prescott to, you know, make the plays when it matters if it gets to that and be caught in the fourth quarter if it gets to that, which it didn't. There was some glimmer of, you know, being able to kind of go possession by possession, run the ball, 
but all of that got thrown out the window, not only when your run defense became porous and Dan Quinn just was unable to adjust and get his guys in the right position against James Cook, but really it was Cook's second touchdown that you know started this narrative of the Bills being able to capitalize on penalties, which made the score more lopsided than you know it probably should have been, more lopsided than than the shows where the Cowboys were playing, but the points still matter nonetheless. And you know, from there, the Bills playing at home with the lead had full control of everything they needed to. They had the defense getting after Prescott. They had the ability to run the ball and shoot a clock. They had everything in their favor in front of the incredible home fans. They were, of course, in Buffalo, and the Cowboys were after now test their medal on the road once again against another, you know, West Coast influence type of team with Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins. So we'll look ahead to that in a bit. But yeah, the second Cook t- Cook's touchdown is really what kind of made you think this might be a long day for the Cowboys, particularly, of course, on the defensive side of the ball. He scores from 18 yards out, but that drive was extended by Sam Williams roughing the kicker penalty. And it was a fourth and eight at the end of the first quarter. Cooks makes a 24-yard catch later on in that drive, and then he has the 18-yard touchdown, and all of a sudden, a 7-0 game turns into 14-0, and the deficit is something the Cowboys haven't been used to, and from there, they were just kind of shell-socked and never got themselves back in the game. Yeah, and I mean, that that little sequence was really kind of the turning point for the whole game, and you know, the that was the second punt that the Bills had on the night. Um, and I actually tweeted after the first one because the Cowboys also came after that punt trying to block it. And I couldn't see who it was. It might have been Sam Williams, but they got very, very close to blocking it. And Bill's punter, Sam Martin, just got it off in time. And I was like, I, I knew at that point, like John Fossil, the special teams coordinator, like he saw something in this punt team where it was like, we're going to be able to get a block. And on that second punt, like Sam Williams came unblocked like right away. He was just running right down the runway, had a clear path. And I mean, it, I think, I think honestly, Sam Williams, he probably was just shocked at how unblocked he was. Kind of like in basketball when, you know, sometimes you see these guys that like they play a move and then they just have this wide open shot and then like they miss it because they're like, I didn't expect to be that wide open. I think that's kind of what got in his head because there's really no other explanation for why he jumps when he does and and the way that he jumped and the fact that you know he's he's coming at the punter and leaves his feet one it allowed the punter to to get the ball off cleanly but two it then puts Williams in a position where he can't control whether or not he runs into the punter that of course little jump right there was really the difference between the roughing penalty giving them the first down extending the drive for them to go down and get the touchdown and make it 14 nothing versus if he stays on his feet and just you know executes the play the way he's supposed to, gets his hands up, blocks it. I mean, potentially they get a touchdown right there. You know, most likely the Cowboys' offense is taking the field and they're right up in already in the red zone to start the drive with a chance to tie it seven to seven. So, like that's that's a huge swing right there, just in terms of the game goes from potentially you know making a huge play to tie it. And suddenly now you're down 14 nothing, and, and you're chasing. And the defense has already shown that they can't stop the run. And the Bills are now in a situation where running the ball is the best thing for them. So that that was just kind of like, for, for me, I, I hadn't given up hope yet. But when that play happened, I was like, that's going to make it significantly harder to be able to come back in this game 
Um, and, and then the way the way the rest of the game unfolded, it just kind of felt like the team also felt that way, and things just spiraled from there. Um, so it, that you know, it's, it's hard to really just circle one play and say like that's the thing that cost you, because obviously there were a lot of different things that went wrong for the Cowboys in this one. But if Sam Williams gets that block, we're probably talking about a completely different game in this one. And the Cowboys offense did show some life in the ensuing drive, though, down 14. They go 11 plays, 61 yards. But another, perhaps slightly forgotten about, although you'll have more to say about it here at bloggingtheboys.com for us tomorrow, they had to settle for a field goal on this 11-play drive to make it just 14-3 to because of a Tyler Smith holding penalty getting down there towards the red zone. So they did show some signs of life. But offensively, I want to talk about how it seemed like you know they came out, they took that deep shot to Cooks early on. It was just a couple of steps away. The Bills have you know been known for years now, of course, as playing those two high looks, but they have versatility at safety. Of course, Micah High didn't play, so that was an opportunity where you know the Cowboys might have seen something where they could have taken even more shots downfield. And I was expecting more than just the one to Cooks, even though they missed it. But they got a looks on the Cooks play where. It seemed like Buffalo was very concerned about the middle of the field and you know, how can you not be when you play the Cowboys and you have to defend C.D. Lamb and Jake Ferguson. So it seemed like that's where their focus was. And the plays were then there on the outside. That's exactly where the coverage that Cooks took advantage of when the safety rotated down towards the middle and he just ran by and had a chance at a go ball that went over his head. But they never really went back to it. The play calling got conservative, even with a deficit where you had to try to make something happen and they never did. The only touchdown was, you know, relatively garbage time, fourth quarter score on a little end around type flip to see the OIM to get him back in the end zone, which it was good to see some some spark from the Cowboys offense, but of course, so uh, much too little. Too late there. Prescott finished the game with 3.9 yards per attempt, his absolute lowest of this season. His next closest, you would think, might be one of the losses, maybe the 49ers game, you're thinking. It's actually 4.97, and that was in the win at Carolina where he threw two touchdowns. So that was you know, a game where, yeah, the Cowboys kept the passing game short, but they still stayed in control on the road against a team that they knew they were better than. And they took care of business exactly like that, with Prescott going a full, almost two yards higher than how he did here against the Bills. And then his next closest after that was uh, 6.23 to the Cardinals and 6.38 in the 49ers loss. So even when this team has gone down swinging, Cardinals and 49ers losses, Prescott throws the ball almost double as far on average as he was in this game. So what did you think led to, you know, the conservative looks on offense after missing that uh, early shot play to Brandon Cooks? Yeah, well, I think, I, I don't know if I necessarily think it was uh, conservative, just nothing was open. I mean, there were a lot of, there were so many different passing plays where, uh, you know, Dak is, he's, he's getting to the top of his drop and, you know, with the way that this offense is now working with Mike McCarthy, bringing in the West coast principles for the passing game, like so much of it is, is timing based. He, when he gets to the, to the top of his drop, like that's supposed to be where if the first read is open, he's hitting his first read. And then he, you know, he kind of takes a hitch and he's looking for the second read. And if it's not there, then he's scrambling. And we were seeing so many plays in this game where, he the first read isn't there, the second read isn't there, then he tries to scramble and there's nothing there and he can't scramble. And so he took a lot of sacks. He got hit a lot. And so, I mean, w- without, you know, being able to see the full length of the field and see every route that everyone's running, you know, it, it's hard to really say 
definitively whether or not there were, you know, routes going deep or what they were specifically looking for on these plays. But I, I think uh, what, what was interesting to me about, you know, all the different numbers you read off for, you know, Dak's lowest yards per average is they all came against very similar defenses schematically. You know, you, you mentioned how the Bills run this uh, too high safety shell. They're, they're, of course, very unique in that they they almost always are going to be lining up with two safeties back deep, but they do a good job of rotating their coverages. It's not always just two guys going deep. A lot of times they rotate. You know, one of them comes down in the box afterwards. Uh, after the ball is snapped, um, you know, they do a bunch of different types of coverage and they mix it up really well. But then also, um, you know, that the Panthers and the Cardinals, both are defenses that are kind of of the Vic Fangio mold where it is going to be a lot of those guys, you know, playing two deep safeties, a lot of uh, quarters coverage, a lot of cover six. And, and then against the 49ers, who interestingly, their defensive coordinator is Steve Wilkes, who coached under Sean McDermott when McDermott was the defensive coordinator for the Panthers back in the day. So the two of them, I wouldn't say they run the exact same defense, but functionally it's it's very similar. They speak the same language. They do things the same kind of way. What you've seen you know, here is, is, you know, the Cowboys struggled against the Panthers, but they were obviously able to, to move the ball and they were able to score and they were able to win. Part of that is the Panthers just don't have a whole lot of talent. You know, they struggled against the Cardinals. Part of that also was they were playing with three backup offensive linemen. We, you know, we remember all the things that went wrong with that game. But then, I mean, this was really not necessarily in terms of yards per attempt, but just overall inability to function. This was the offense's worst game, I think, since that 49ers game. And that's, you know, Steve Wilkes and Sean McDermott, two coaches who know each other very well, run similar schemes. And of course, we've we've seen the Cowboys have success in a big way against other defenses that run the same kind of two-deep safety scheme. You know, they did it against the Eagles in both games. They did it against the Chargers. E- even the Jets, who have a really good defense, they run a similar type of, of defense with the two high safeties, and they were able to put up a performance against that defense that no other offense has been able to do this year, or except for the Dolphins, who just did it. I don't think it's necessarily that that's the scheme that has them figured out, but when you run that kind of scheme and and you have the personnel to play it well, you can have success against this offense. Now. How many defenses are there that run this defense and also have the personnel to play at the at the level that the Bills just did? Not a whole lot, but then again, the 49ers who lurk in right. the playoffs and you're saying, well, if if this Cowboys team is going to the Super Bowl, you like the road to that goes for the NFC goes through San Francisco. So that that's another thing that kind of I think adds a, another level of concern is this is a, a defense that's very very similar to what you'll see in San Francisco. And once again, they still had trouble against it. Um, and, you know, if, if you if you want to get to the Super Bowl, you have to be able to, to succeed against a defense like San Francisco. So um, that, that's what I was really seeing is like nothing was open down deep um, except for that play to Brandon Cooks, which Dak Prescott missed. Um, could have completely changed the game if he, if he did drop that in Brandon Cook's bread basket. Aside from that, like everything else was even the, the completed passes underneath, guys were getting hit right away. That's what reminded me of the 49ers game was even the, the passes that are completed, like they don't have any room to run after the catch. They're getting hit right away. It's, it's difficult for them to even make the catch in the first place. 
And that's just not what we've seen a whole lot with this offense. Like for the most part, they've had success getting guys open, getting guys in run after catchability. So that that's definitely a concern that it happened against a, a defense with a very similar kind of scheme and approach to what San Francisco runs. We're trying to, you know, keep it real here as we do on Hitting the Yards podcast and keep it to what just happened on Sunday against the Bills, but I feel like, you know, if you listen closely and I think our listeners do, the underlying theme that David and I are kind of dancing around and it's an elephant in the room we don't want to hit head on is, you know, the idea that, yes, this game doesn't completely seal your fate that you're going to have to see the 49ers on the road again, but it feels that way and you didn't do anything to inspire that that matchup can go any differently when you give up almost 300 yards on the ground. So if you do see that 49ers team again, this is the exact type of loss where you can say, you know, there's not a lot of reasons for confidence to match up with a similar type defense, as you highlighted there. But also, of course, even scarier is the 49ers offense and all those stars and their Kyle Sanahan-inspired run game, what they could do against the Stan Quinn defense, which will find a way to bounce back. You know, like I said, it's usually just this one outlier game a year where they give up this many yards, but yet this was the most in the entire Quinn era. So I want to sift and end with talking about the Cowboys' own run game, which they can use better to, you know, control games and maybe match some of these other teams that want to run the ball against them, like the 49ers. And where is your confidence level right now? It's a good time to check in here. It's December football in Tony Pollard being the RB1. This is now his 11th straight game under 100 yards. It's actually his 11th straight under 80 yards, his high during this stretch was the Thanksgiving win against the Commanders, where he had 79. Against the Bills, he goes 11 times for 52 yards, along of just 11 yards. Prescott had the longest run of the game for the Cowboys. That was 13 yards, and Rico Dowdle was only able to carry three times for four yards. Where's your confidence level in Tony Pollard being able to give this team you know, another gear, another dimension, down the stretch here. We thought we saw that against the Eagles where the Mike McCarthy offense had to get another wrinkle. We were going to see it throughout December and they were just going to keep stacking things like they have all week. And it's not time to quite say that this offense has hit a wall in terms of, you know, they're going to have another 10-point output against the Dolphins. If they do, I think we know how you know that game expects to go if the Dolphins winning at home 30 to nothing against a pretty good Jets defense here this week as well. But where does the run game go from here? And do you trust Tony Pollard to, you know, be able to have better games, the types of games that this team needs to uh, win these types of these styles in particular of a game like you're going to see against not only Buffalo, but now Miami, San Francisco, Philadelphia again, almost any matchup you can name that the Cowboys are going to see the rest of the way. You're going to be depending on Tony Pollard seemingly doing something that he hasn't really done in more than just that 11 game stretch. I honestly, I think I'm still pretty confident in, in him. And I mean, I, I think, you know, in this game against the Bills, like I liked what I saw from Tony Pollard. It's just they didn't really use him a whole lot. I mean, he averaged, you know, over four four yards a carry. That's generally a good spot to be in. Um, when he was running the ball, like he was running. I mean, he didn't look like Tony Pollard last year, but not in the bad way. I mean, most of the season we've talked about like Tony Pollard doesn't look like Tony Pollard because he doesn't have the explosiveness. But this time it felt like he had like some power behind him. He had like an an edge to him. He was running angry. And I mean, he, of course he didn't, he didn't break off any of those huge, you know, big runs that that he used to be breaking off. But part of that, I think is just, you know, come came down to the opportunity. Cowboys had to go away from the run pretty early in this one. And, um, you know, they, they were, they were in a situation that they're not really in a whole lot, which is where they're down. And now they suddenly they have to pass. And, 
and Dak's getting hit on all those passes and it's, you know, tough sledding. But I mean, I, I liked what I saw from Pollard and he was, he was getting room to run. And, and this offensive line, I think the, the chemistry that they have with Pollard now, it's, it's really starting to peak. They just didn't have the opportunity to really run as much as they normally would in a game like this. And talking about, again, going back to the, the, the scheme that, that Buffalo runs with those two deep safeties, a lot of times they, similar to what Dallas does, but in a different way, they invite the run. And, and we saw a lot of different times in this game where Dak is checking into the run because the look that they're given, they're saying, okay, well, like we like our odds with this, you know, we're going to run it here. And then obviously later on in the game, they didn't do that as much because you have to throw to get back into it. But now this week against Miami, you're running against a guy, their defensive coordinator is Vic Fangio. We've talked in the past about Vic Fangio style defenses um, this is the OG. This is Vic Fangio himself. He created this defense <laughs> and like th- this is his defense. So you know what you're going to get. And you're going to get a lot of those situations where they're going to have really light boxes. They're going to be inviting the run. And um, I mean, Miami's defense has kind of gone through some ups and downs this year where, you know, they, they've struggled somewhat. Then they've kind of seemed to get their footing underneath them with, with Fangio running the defense. Um, obviously they shut out the Jets, but you know, with with the way that the Jets' offense is going these days, and they're kind of going back and forth between quarterbacks. I don't know how much stock you can actually put in that game, but uh, I, I think that'll be. It, it kind of lines up nicely to where you're going to see a lot of the same things that you just saw Buffalo do, um, and it's going to be done by the master and Vic Fangio, who of course has his own history with the Cowboys. A few years ago, when he was the head coach of the Broncos, of course there was that game where the Kellen Moore offense that had been flying high got shut down and there were words exchanged between Fangio and Mike McCarthy and there's some bad blood. So now we actually get to see McCarthy directly call in plays against Fangio. I think that'll be an interesting uh, little subplot to follow in that game. But as far as the running game goes, like I, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. I, I think generally they've been doing better each week. Tony Pollard has looked better each week. It's just, in this game, I don't think he necessarily got enough opportunities just because they were playing from behind. I liked what I saw. I also just want to point out last week on this show, I said, you know, when we were talking about the run game, I said, also, don't forget about Hunter Lipke. I was like, I, I know Mike McCarthy has something kept in in his back pocket for Lipke, and he's going to get him a touch in this game. And I did end up <laughs> being right. It, <laughs> It's not as satisfying to... David will sleep better than any Cowboys fan on Monday night in the whole world. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't feel as rewarding to to point out that I was right, but I was right. (laughs) I I did get that part right. Um, So, I mean, they they have some pieces with this run game too. I mean, it's, it's not all on Pollard. doesn't have to be you know, Rico Dowdle wasn't at his best in this game, but he's shown that he can, he can be reliable. Hunter Lipke has shown, you know, when he's, when they've gone to him, he can, you know, touch the ball a little bit and do some things with it. They get CD and Cavante Turpin involved on in the running game too. Um, so, I mean, I feel confident. Um, I, I still think this is, this offense is going to still succeed through the air first and foremost, but it's nice to know that, They've been able to have success when they run it. It's just that they didn't run it a whole lot against Buffalo. And in the pass game, first time all season, the Cowboys have not had a passing play of 20 or more yards. Those explosive plays, of course, have become a staple. You know, you could say in the post-bye week offense, which is kind of the bookmark that we have on this season, 
when the offense started clicking post by. Of course, they've been hitting those deep shots, but today the longest passing game against the Bills was the 16 yards to see the IM. And you mentioned everything they had to prepare for with a Vic Fangio defense. And I'll go ahead and mention, of course, the fact they're playing against the explosive Mike McDaniel offense. And well, if you want to see them show a glimmer of hope, and I mean just a glimmer, that they can play against the Kyle Sanahan 49ers in the playoffs again this year. Mike McDaniel is, of course, the Kyle Sanahan disciple, and you're going to see it. And no, he's not quite as committed to the run game, but don't think for a second that he's not going to turn on the tape of what the Bills just did to the Cowboys and take the rushing yards that are there. Raheem Mostert had 15 carries of 42 yards against the Jets and two touchdowns. He led the way. And in the passing game, Tua was just on the money all game, 21 of 24. That's an 87 and a half completion percentage with the uh, was only sacked three times. Did have the one touchdown, one of them being a 60-yarder down the field to Jalen Waddle. So can the Cowboys find a big passing play to match potential big plays that the Mike McDaniel offense is going to make, but more so than the big plays that they're going to try to hit through the air against the secondary that still did their best they could against the Bills given the circumstance. And I think Gilmore you know, made some play against Diggs. They used to be encouraged by as his hot plays continued ever since the second half of the Seahawks game. But Keep an eye on the Dolphins' run concepts as we look for a bounce-back game in the worst possible way as the Cowboys' defense needs it in run defense against a similar offense to what you might see from the 49ers. So a lot on the line when the Cowboys go to Miami, be it just points of pride or continuing race for the one seed and home playoff games and the NFC East, all of which kind of slipped away a good bit here as the Cowboys fall to the Bills. But... A lot to play for. We'll be here each week to break it down as this team does head into the playoffs. We do know, to end on a positive note, that they are going back to the playoffs. That was official in the 1 o'clock window when, he, when the Carolina Panthers upset the Atlanta Falcons. Of course, a game that notably you could get into under a dollar fifty cents. So, hey, maybe some Cowboys fans in the Carolina area snuck into that game to uh, make sure that they could see in person Dallas um, be able to quench their playoff spot. And they probably had a better afternoon than many Cowboys fans that were either in Buffalo, which I know a few of our BTBers were. Shout out to them. This was, of course, my first football Sunday here in the state of Montana. Happy to be somewhat settled in here. Not all the way, but enough to uh, bring you this episode. So we will talk to you again next Monday after Cowboys Dolphins. Follow David Hellman on Twitter at underscore DH44. Myself at Sean Martin NFL. Go ahead and follow our usual co-host, Mark Lane, at The Real Mark Lane. I know for a fact he is still uh, putting out great stats, nuggets, information that you just simply can't get elsewhere. And all of our BTB staffers can be found at Blogging the Boys. We will talk to you from sunny Miami as the Cowboys get out of the rain, out of the cold to Buffalo, and hope for better fortune then. Yeah, it's it's going to be a real interesting one uh, going next week. And like you said, they need a bounce back in the worst possible way. And then we've seen this team respond really well coming out of losses. So I'm I'm excited, especially happy to go from rainy Buffalo to, to nice, sunny and 75 Miami. So with that, there it is. Thank you for listening to the Hidden Yardage Podcast. Yeah.